I am taking the time to examine how I make my content and using this time to give myself a little more creative freedom and experiment because that's how you find out. It's just, you just throw things at the wall and see what sticks. Welcome back to another episode of Influencer Business. I'm your host, Rich Scudelari. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying safe. We are certainly happy to have you with us here today. We have an awesome episode lined up for you. We are sitting down with Keiko Lin, one of the OG influencers. She's been at it for a long time. And she's going to sit down, tell us a little bit about how quarantine's going with her. She's going to dive into all the masks that she has been making. It's been incredible to see her work. She sent out over 250 masks that she has sewn herself. We're going to dive into that. We're also going to talk about the knock-on effects that that has had on her followers. Uh, She's had a lot of followers tell her about their own mask-making endeavors, and the scale is, is just really impressive and wonderful. And then we're also going to talk to her about some of the negative feedback that she's gotten it kind of blew my mind to hear that. The fact that she's out there creating PPE for people who need it. And yes, it's, it might not be an N95 mask, but it is really good. Everybody should be wearing them. Uh, and we're going to talk to her about how she handled that negative feedback. I think she does it in a really strong and responsible way. Uh, and then finally, we're going to talk about the responsibility that influencers have. She has a really interesting thesis on that and excited to hear her share that with all of us. Um, but before we get to the conversation with Keiko, two things. First of all, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please go leave us that five-star rating. Give us that glowing review. It really helps and we always appreciate it. And second, if you haven't already, make sure you head over to podcast.trovebusiness.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Each week we send you a newsletter that recaps the current episode, adds a few little tidbits, creates some takeaways for you, and then we tell you what's coming up next. It's awesome. Make sure you go check it out. That's podcast.trovebusiness.com. But with that out of the way and without any further ado, I'm excited to welcome Keiko to Influencer Business. Keiko, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So tell us, how is quarantine going so far? Well, we're almost at the two-month mark, and I have to say it has been a lot easier than I expected because we are obviously very lucky to be able to work from home. We have our health. And um, it's interesting because I tend to get very depressed. If I'm home for too long, I get cabin fever. But I haven't really had that because I think your mind goes into survival mode. <laughs> it's like, this isn't a choice that we're making. We're, you know, we have to do this. So it's, it's just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is very different. Uh, and what are some of the ways that you are kind of finding to get your outdoor fix, if you will? Because you and Bobby both travel a lot. You both like to, you know, drive to upstate New York or drive all the way down to Florida occasionally. How are you getting your outdoor fix? Well, we are very lucky and we actually have a pretty large terrace in this apartment. It's the first time we've ever had outdoor space. So I've left my apartment exactly twice in the past two months. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, just to to do a little walk around the block with a mask. Um but other than that, I've just been out on my terrace when I feel like I need to get some fresh air. That's really great. And how are you balancing work versus learning versus relaxing? How are you balancing kind of all the different things going on in your life right now? The interesting part about that is it definitely took some time. It was an evolution of sorts. In the beginning, it was such a shock to the system. This is something we've never gone through before. So there were many days of wearing pajamas and being like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I tend to be the type of person who has to let myself feel all the feelings. And then I pick myself back up 
and I get back to work. So I started working on masks, as you you saw, and I've been having to balance doing that, working on my own projects, and watching an unprecedented amount of television. <laughs> We're going to get into all three of those, but let's start with the masks because I saw this. It made its way around the internet. It was really, really cool. Uh, so tell us, you've been sewing face masks. You've been, tell us a little bit about that. How did you decide to do it? Is that something you had to learn or did you already have the skills? Well, I actually started off, I had a clothing line when I was 18. I started a clothing line. Oh, wow. And Mm -hmm. I stopped that almost a decade ago, actually. So I had a background in sewing and I have my own sewing projects now. I still sometimes occasionally I'll make my own clothes or costumes and do alterations. So I had the supplies and I thought, I'll just start making them. And then it just grew from there. It started off as just something to help healthcare workers. And the need for masks was so significant that at first I thought I'd just be making, you know, 20 or 30 masks. And then I got a flood of inquiries. So that's how I've been spending most of my time. Really? So how many masks are you producing a day? You know, I was just telling Bobby that I wish I would have counted I counted up to when I made to like the hundred mark, I stopped counting. I would guess I've sent out about 250, maybe a little bit more than that. There have been some pauses when I needed to replenish my fabric and elastic and bias tape. And that's become quite the commodity. It's like toilet paper for sewing. (laughs) Really? Wait, which 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 one? Bond tape? Uh, bias tape and elastic are very difficult to come by. I had to call a lot of places. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so who are you sending these to? Are you sending them to hospitals to distribute? Or are you sending them directly to certain people who've requested? How are you distributing them? I've mostly been sending to individuals who have requested them. Um, in the beginning, it was just open to healthcare workers whether that was a nurse, doctor, nursing home, pharmacist. Um, I've since opened it up to essential workers in general, as well as Mm -hmm. locally, um, making them for delivery people and front desk workers and such like that. That's really awesome. And I know that there are some nice patterns involved. It's not going to be plain white or plain blue, right? What are are we working with here in terms of patterns? Well, I hope you like florals. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because, because I love floral. So a lot of my masks yeah. were, were floral. I did do some more traditionally masculine prints, but surprisingly, a lot of men have been perfectly happy with florals. Because well, <laughs> I think at this point, people are super happy to have a mask, number one. And then number two, a little pizzazz never hurt anybody, right? Absolutely. I mean, honestly, the florals are the prettiest ones and men make them look really great. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. And tell us a little bit about some of the responses that you've been getting back from folks who receive masks uh, and a little bit about their stories that, that they share with you. The messages from healthcare workers in the beginning were breaking my heart, knowing that they were putting their lives at risk, their families at risk. Even though it is their job, they also go into this job expecting a certain level of protection, right? And we were Mm -hmm. vastly underprepared for this. And wearing a cloth mask is not ideal. Obviously, it's not the same level of protection, but it's better than nothing. And it also helped 
extend the life of proper N95 masks. So I started making them because they were being requested. The general public, however, I got a lot of pushback from them. And I had to kind of... Really? Yeah, I had to kind of tune out that noise and just remember that I was fulfilling a request for people who understood what a great need this was. And since they've recommended wearing masks in public, that pushback has dwindled down quite a bit. What kind of pushback are you getting? The fact that you're trying to provide a necessary piece of equipment to people who are out there battling the virus. I'm trying to think of a way you could spin that in a negative light. Well, I think there's a lot of facets to that. One is Mm -hmm. the general message that a mask was not going to protect you from the virus. Because we had a lack of masks for our healthcare workers, they were trying to prevent people from going out and hoarding what limited supply we had. So they're saying, don't wear a mask, it's not going to protect you. Now, obviously, we know that's not true. Otherwise, we wouldn't need those masks for our healthcare workers. But as far as cloth masks, obviously not the same level of protection. But if everyone wears masks, it's going to limit the amount of transmission. So I think that part of it was the message of masks are useless, leave them to the healthcare workers. Part of it was the idea that a less protective mask is worth nothing, which I completely disagree with. I'd take a certain level of protection over nothing, obviously. Yeah, exactly. And then I I also think that there is a a stigma to wearing masks that obviously a lot of Asian people have been dealing with, Mm, which is, it's horrific because the same people who were attacking Asian people on the street for wearing masks and saying horrible things are probably going to have to wear them themselves now. And it's and right. it's going to be accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had a complete reversal in terms of how people perceive masks. And I think, unfortunately, most people to up until very recently viewed masks as, oh, you're sick, you're wearing a mask so that I don't get sick. And the reality is, or, or you're wearing a mask because you think I'm sick and you don't want me to get you sick. But the reality is, no, I'm wearing a mask for your protection. Exactly. You know, just as much as my own especially when you're out in public and they're immunocompromised people. I'm really sorry to hear that. I, you know, when I saw that, you know, you doing that, I just assumed everybody was going to be excited, as excited as I was. And, and, you know, it's interesting. We're at a very interesting time where there is a lot of pent up anxiety and it's manifesting itself in interesting ways. And fortunately some negative ways, many negative ways on the internet. And so how do you deal with, that bizarre behavior where you're clearly doing something that is necessary and needed and you're getting kind of this irrational feedback from people. Well, first, I would like to say that most people were very supportive and I'm really happy to say that a lot of people started making masks themselves and sending them out or even just making them for their families and sending me photos. And the people I've sent them to have been so incredibly kind and supportive But I think your point about people being in a different mental state right now is exactly right. I give people a little bit more leeway with their criticisms, with their reactions, because I know that they're scared, they're angry, 
they're upset about the current situation. And sometimes you're just looking for an outlet for that. And I can be a lightning rod. You know, I'm a public figure. <laughs> That's very, very big of you. Uh, I don't know if I'd have the same patience. <laughs> I mean, there are days when it, it really does affect me. And I try to look at things objectively and say, okay, is this something, is this a valid criticism? Is this something that I need to take into consideration? Or is this something where somebody just wanted to be mad? And there's a sure. big difference between the two. If it's the latter, I try to just let it go and understand that not everyone's going to like me. Not everyone's going to like what I'm doing. Sure. Yeah. And you've spent enough time living your life on the internet, as you said, to where you've been able to see that uh, more than once, I'm sure. And it's nice that you've been able to build up that muscle to kind of let it go. Yeah. I wish it weren't a part of the job, but it, but it is a part of the job. <laughs> You have to be prepared for a lot of criticism and some very mean comments. Sure. Yeah. Well, those aside, really wonderful what you've done. And it's interesting, right? Because on one hand, a lot of people probably feel a little helpless and some people might feel like, oh, me making a mask is not going to do anything. But you've now produced over the course of Uh, I guess we're two months in, 250 masks, that's 250 different people who are better off because you just decided to go to work. Yeah, I think that's, that's the thing that I'm trying to convey to people is that these little micro changes that you can make and tiny steps in helping people make such a big difference. Like if I sent those 250 masks to a hospital, and expected them to be distributed, I wouldn't really know where they're ending up. It might go to help just as many people. But the fact that I was sending these to individuals, I got to hear individual feedback from each person. And it really, really made me realize how much that one little gesture can change somebody's perspective, make them feel appreciated and loved. And I just wanted people to understand that every little bit counts. Yeah. And I also think that you probably have a knock-on effect. For every one mask that you create and perhaps talk about on social media, there are probably 5, 10, 15, 100 masks being created by people who follow you or come across your profile and see what you're doing. And talk to us a little bit about maybe if it's not a responsibility, but kind of the leadership role that comes with having an online presence. I talk about this a lot. I think that if you have a large audience, it is your duty to champion something you believe in. You don't have to make your whole channel about activism or philanthropy, but there should be something, at least one thing that you're incredibly passionate about and you champion. And for me, in this current place that we're in, I knew that I could contribute in this tiny little way. But like you said, by putting out a tutorial, by talking about it a lot, I influence for for lack of a better word. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, the pause there was like, what better word could I come up with? I know, I know. But a lot of of people started making them as well. I, I, I had somebody leave a comment and say that they had made something like 800 masks. And I was like, wow, that is incredible. Like That's amazing. Like people are really, really, really stepping up to the plate. And I think that mm-hmm. is such a wonderful thing. That's really awesome. That's, that is wonderful. And tell me, I got to know, have you, have you made some special tricked out masks for yourself? Maybe that are, you know, maybe not the kind that can be mass produced, but, you know, maybe got a little extra 
pizzazz to them? Honestly, no. Is that is that crazy? No. I made myself two masks. Um, they're both okay. they're both floral, but they're mm-hmm. the same as what I've been sending out. I probably at some point will make something a little bit more creative, but at the time I just wanted, I was prioritizing actually sending them out to the people who are leaving (laughs) since I haven't really been leaving. Of course, of course. Well, I was going to say like, have you made a Disney mask? Because I know you're a big Disney fan. You might be having withdrawals. I wanted (laughs) to figure out like, how are you dealing with, how are you getting your Disney fix these days? Well, I haven't made a Disney mask. I do have Disney fabric, so that might change. Disney released their churro recipe. They also do, they uh, they released a Dole Whip inspired recipe as well. But I don't really cook or bake, so I said, "Bobby, will you make this for me?" And he kindly did. <laughs> so you get your Disney fix in certain ways. I was watching Disney Plus a lot, eating the Disney mm-hmm. churros, and I also did dress up like Snow White one day. There was a reason, but I no. but I stayed in the costume a lot longer than necessary. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, absolutely. You got to do it. You know, absolutely. And now, are you keeping up with your? your Disney family at all uh, over the internet now that we're social distancing? Yeah, I I actually think it's so great how the Disney community has brought the magic home. Everyone's gotten super creative. That should be a tagline. Have you talked to Disney about that being a tagline, bring the magic home? I think that they, I I think I probably stole that from them. Oh, I was going to say that was, if you came up with that off the cuff, like, yeah, you should be in branding. That is phenomenal. I probably subconsciously stole that from them. But yeah, I think they're they're really working to make sure that people stay in and stay safe. And they made the decision to close before it was mandated. And I know a lot of people's family trips and weddings and everything were affected by the closures, but obviously it was a greater need. And so they're doing as much as they can to help people get that Disney experience at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And have you been able to connect with the Disney creators that, you know, you might run into at parks or you might, you know, run to run into on trips? Have you been able to connect with them over the internet? Maybe not as frequently, but occasionally, even during the crisis? Yeah, actually, we we all dressed up as Disney princesses to bring the message of stay home pretty early on. <laughs> and Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. And um, everyone's getting creative with how they collaborate with one another, which is really nice. So in that way, it ha- has brought a closeness to internet friendships, especially. Mm-hmm. And how did you figure out which princess you got to be? Well, it's an unspoken rule that I have dibs on Snow White at all times. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a universal rule? Because I didn't, I wasn't aware of this and that might've gotten me into trouble down the road. Well, I'd like to think it is, but yeah, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if I can make that a standing rule. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's awesome. It's been really interesting to hear and wonderful to hear how people are adjusting to life. Uh, you know, and especially when it comes to friendships and working with brands and relationships. Talk to us a little bit about how perhaps your content has adjusted or you've adjusted your content now that you have been kind of forced to stay in one place. In the beginning, there were growing pains. I think a lot of us were really nervous about how to share things without being tone deaf and without it being too heavy as well. I don't want Instagram to be a source for news because that's how misinformation is spread. So if you're coming to my channel 
for me to update you on daily events. It's probably not, <laughs> it's probably not a good idea. But I, of course, don't want to ignore the elephant in the room because we are all in the middle of a pandemic. And so in the beginning, it was, I took several days to, I guess, weigh the gravity of the situation um, personally to understand like how it was going to affect me and my family and everyone. I think everyone took a little pause. And then I decided that I wanted it to be a place where people could come and be happy. I don't want my, play- my channel to be anything where people come and they feel very heavy. But I also want to give a nod to what's going on. So I talk about mental health struggles a lot on my page. I talk about personally what's going on and ways to give back. But I also have some of the normal things like styling videos and hair tutorials and things like that to give people a sense of normalcy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So trying to find that balance between giving a nod to what's going on, but also giving something to people that they can look at, aspire to, or get lost in even just for an hour or two, just to get away from what they're seeing across, you know, the news and, you know, what, you know, CNN or whatever their news outlet might be. I think that's, yeah, really important. And then what about, talk a little bit about kind of working with brands now, during COVID versus pre-COVID? How has that shifted? How has that changed? That has been the most interesting part professionally because I went from having an extremely busy schedule to having basically nothing. And it really put things into perspective about how quickly things can change. Some brands got very scared and cancel. Others put a pause on things and we'll see what happens. <laughs> and then yeah. and then others I think were very smart in their approach and just changed their approach entire, entirely. And yeah. you'll see budget changes obviously. The types of content that we're putting out it's going to change, but you know, people still are putting dollars into marketing. So Yeah. And after that initial kind of panic, have you seen, you know, by brands, have you seen brands come back and folks who perhaps canceled or paused and said, okay, here's how we're going to readjust? I think there have been a lot of micro adjustments to contracts and different things like that, that we're still seeing evolve because we still don't know what the next few months are going to look like. But luckily the ones that did stick around, we just brainstormed, okay, how do we do this without being completely tone deaf? So Mm -hmm. like I said, I do a lot of hair tutorials. And in this case, I'm working with a hair company. And I just said, you know, it just felt a little too early to be like, here's how you do a cool braid. You know, I might do that today. Yeah. But at the time, Mm -hmm. it was just not the right time for that. So they were very open to my suggestions. And I decided to make it more about how you don't have to take this time to completely change your lifestyle and write a novel and learn a new language and do all of these things to make yourself a better person. You're in the middle of a pandemic. It's okay if you just need a day for self-care. And I think that really resonated with my audience. Obviously, it was an ad, but it was speaking to them about the current situation and giving them that message of don't make yourself 
feel bad because you're not doing the most. Right. Absolutely. And I think that, for example, you said early on, one of the things that you have to do is feel all the feels before you kind of say, all right, great, got that. Now I'm going to kind of do X, Y, and Z. And I think that's an important message. And I think in a way saying, listen, not being super productive every single moment of every single day is a very important message because people are feeling kind of beaten down by, you know, whether they're they're losing their jobs, whether they've lost loved ones. And then they go to social media and they see everybody saying, you've got to be, you know, reinvent yourself, do this, do that. Like you should be learning. Like, no, it's okay. Like we're all human. We're all going through this together, but we all have different experiences in it. And making sure that you're taking care of yourself, I think is probably the number one thing that you need to be doing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in the early days of of lockdown, there was that Isaac Newton created calculus when during the pandemic. And yep. it's like, okay, but I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I'm not that, me neither, by the way. <laughs> yeah, most most of us are not geniuses, and it does create this really, really ridiculously high standard that will just always make you feel like a failure if you're saying you need to take this time to do mm-hmm. everything that has ever been on your list. I don't think that that's the way that you should approach us. I have days where I'm extremely productive and I have days where I do not get out of my pajamas. And I think both are equally mm-hmm. as important. Yeah, absolutely. But one of the things you have been talking about uh, to creators specifically is pivoting or thinking about new ways to bring your content or yourself to life online. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I think the ability to evolve is incredibly important, especially in what we do in social media, because platforms change, audiences change, their attention spans change. And so I've learned that over the the course of my career that you have to go with the flow. And in this case, it's a perfect example of learning when to pivot. That doesn't mean it has to be a huge change, but it's great to always explore like, what are my assets? What can I offer? How can I shift this to make it relevant to what we're in right now? And it's, you know, you're going to go through some growing pains. It's, It's inevitable, but it's really, really important to let yourself evolve. Mm-hmm. And what are some ways you can do that actively? Because it can it can be kind of hard to figure out, okay, what's the next big platform? Where should I go? You obviously have the benefit of experience because you've been doing this before influencers were a thing. So how do you kind of do that? How do you attack that as somebody who's relatively new to this landscape, even the last three or four years? How do you start to think about evolving or pivoting? Well, first of all, I would say, let this be a lesson to not put all your eggs in one basket. Because if you're, you know, relying on Instagram as your sole source of income, if that's where your entire audience lies, what happens if your Instagram gets hacked or deleted? what will you do then? You don't own it, right? So I've always said that you should have a space that you own. In my case, that's my blog. So that if something happens, they always have that to refer back to. I still keep it active and everything. Just like with anything, you want to diversify, whether that's a product line, a podcast, you know, consulting, lots of different things, e-courses, You want to just dip your toe in that pond and see like, what makes sense for me? What can I do to make sure that 
I'm not relying too heavily on one thing. No, I think that's absolutely right. Because like you said, things like Instagram, you don't own your blog, you do own and making sure that you have multiple points of reference or multiple points of entry is really important because you don't know what's going to happen. Things can shut down. One could take off. One could die down. You know, we've seen in the last five years, Vine was very big for a minute and then all of a sudden it didn't exist. You saw a lot of people who were great at pivoting into something new on YouTube or on Instagram. And then some people weren't and they kind of died with the platform, which is, you know, obviously really unfortunate. Um, But do you think that there's going to be a longer term shift here, a longer term impact from what's going on with COVID-19 than, you know, perhaps we've seen in the past? I do think so. I I think you're already seeing that. I think some people are adapting well. Um, If you already were talking more about lifestyle, it was pretty seamless transition to adjust to. Um, I think a lot about travel influencers and bloggers and how they'll be affected by that. I think that's going to be something interested, interesting to watch. I'm not sure. I, I wonder what will happen to the accounts that heavily rely on shopping. I'm, I'm interested to see that, but we still don't know. It's, it's really something <laughs> we have never been a part of. So I'm just going to wait yeah. and watch. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And what, if I could, if you could boil it down to a few key points for folks who are maybe feeling a little aimless or a little worried about their ability to move, create and pivot into something new and fit into this new ecosystem. What are a few key kind of tips or pieces of advice you'd have for them in order to kind of make sure that they can weather this storm? Well, I think you don't have to reinvent the wheel. I think it's okay to look to people you admire and see what they're doing and how that can pertain to you. Like I've been incredibly inspired by how so many photographers have pivoted because obviously they've built a business on photographing people. And <laughs> that is something that they yeah. can't do right now. And so seeing particularly portrait photographers doing family portraits on porches in, in more suburban environments or window portraits, or now people are doing FaceTime sessions and I mean, delivering beautiful results. I think that is a great example of not completely changing what you're doing, but how you do it. So, absolutely. you know, the same can, can be said for what I do. I'm not reinventing the wheel, but I am taking the time to examine how I make my content and using this time to give myself a little more creative freedom and experiment because that's how you find out. It's just, you just throw things at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, and now you have the luxury of time. Exactly. <laughs> to actually throw things at the wall. You're not running, like you said, previously you were probably you know, booked to the max. And now you have a little bit more time to actually experiment and test. And so maybe that's the silver lining in all of this. Absolutely. Because I think a lot of the the reason for evolution is experimentation and just seeing what makes the most sense for you, like, uh, like you would with style, you know, Um, and you do need the luxury of time to be able to do that. Absolutely. Well, Keiko, thank you so much for joining us today on Influencer Business. If people want to find you on the internet, where can they go? You can find me at keikolin.com. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook under Keiko Lin. (laughs) (laughs) 
all of the above under Keiko Lin. Well, Keiko, it was great to have you. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Another big thank you to Keiko for joining us today on Influencer Business. Amazing conversation. Before I let you go, three things I want to touch on. First of all, as she said at the end, take time to give yourself that space to get creative. Engage that creative freedom. Throw things at the wall, see what sticks, especially now when you have more time on your hands. It'll give you a chance to really see where you can take your creativity. And it's awesome. Give it a shot. Don't be afraid. The second thing I want to talk about is, as an influencer with a following, set a good example. Your actions have knock-on effects, and as you can see in Keiko's example, she started sewing masks, and some of her followers started to do that themselves, and someone actually made 800 masks themselves. So not only did Keiko produce over 250 masks herself, but she also had her followers creating masks as well. So just make sure you understand that all eyes are on you during this difficult time, so set a good example. And finally, kind of piggybacking off of that, you will get negative feedback. If Keiko gets negative feedback for sewing masks for people who need PPE, you will get negative feedback for stuff that you are producing. Understand tensions are high. People have a lot of anxiety right now. Have a little bit of a thicker skin. Give them a little space for their comments. Understand where they're coming from and continue to do what you do. Be thoughtful about your actions, but also don't take these negative comments too much to heart, especially if you're doing something for the greater good. A couple things to keep in mind. It is a very difficult time for a lot of people. Emotions are flying. People are throwing things around. People are getting really aggressive behind keyboards. So make sure you keep that in mind. Use Keiko as an example. I thought she did a wonderful job in handling negativity when there shouldn't have been any. As always, make sure you head over to podcast.trovebusiness.com. Sign up for our newsletter. We'll give you a recap of this episode, some key takeaways from our conversation with Keiko and sprinkle in a few other goodies. And we'll also tell you what we've got coming up. So make sure you head over to podcast.trovebusiness.com. And if you like what you heard on this podcast, please leave us that five-star rating. Give us that glowing review. It literally takes two seconds and we certainly do appreciate it. And a big shout out to our guy, Pete Crimmy and the team over at Sound Lounge who always make us sound better over the podcast than we do in person. I'm your host, Rich Kudlari. This has been another episode of Influencer Business. Stay tuned for our next one, and we'll see you next time.